Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. Episode 5 of Star Wars and Scotch. I'm Kevin. That's Tim over there. And that's Bife down there. So, Bife is our first guest on the show ever. This is, again, I said this before when we messed up, but we're doing it over again. (laughs) That we have been trying to talk to Bife about Star Wars for probably two years now. At least I have. Um, It was since Rogue One, right? We sat down in Rogue One, and we were like, dude, we should just sit down and talk about Star Wars and have some beers at some point. Yes. That was my first recollection of it, at least. I know there were Old Republic conversations along the way, too. Uh, And we've we've since, since Tim and I started this, we're like, we got to bring Bife on. We got to get Bife on. So we're very excited to have you here. Thank you for staying up late in foggy old London town to join us. Uh, We're going to talk to Bife about a whole mess of things. There's a Slido link if you guys want to ask five questions, if you want to put questions for the whole group. Uh, if there's there's lore readings that you need uh, read, don't worry. We'll make it happen. Uh, but tonight <laughs> is going to be a fun night of just discussion about Bife's history of Star Wars, what he loves, what he's expecting, what his favorites are, what he hates, the whole nine yards. So, cool. Let's rock. Bife, give us your journey to and through a galaxy far, far away. Where did you, where did you get introduced to it? When did you become a huge fan of it? And how is it correlated even to what you do now? Uh, because space Ooh. magic is space magic, and I think you know a common right. thread of destiny has come from a love of Star Wars for all things oh, destiny. Absolutely, hell yeah, dude. So I think my love of Star Wars originates from my dad actually, because he was an old Trekkie as well as a lover of Star Wars, and I think it was way back at some point we sat down in cinemas and watched The Phantom Menace, or he brought it home on a VCR back in the day, because of course, the VCRs and not DVDs and not Blu-rays yet. Um, You know, I think my fascination truly began uh, at that moment in time, and it was just this sort of like, this strange universe that I fell in love with, but it was all, it held all the kind of like, young boy fantasy tropes of like, oh dude, these are knights with swords, except they're lasers, that's awesome. And that's, you know, that was my earliest, earliest introduction. But the place where I truly fell in love with Star Wars and the place where I truly began to appreciate it, um, unquestionably KOTOR. My dad got the game for me at some point and it was a birthday present and I played the ever-living shit out of KOTOR. (laughs) I think I I I played something like six different playthroughs uh, back in the day before I had picked up most other games and it's just, it has stayed with me as one of my favorite pieces of 
writing within Star Wars, and it's one of my favorite games around the entire universe ever since, you know? I, aside from, I don't know, are we allowed to talk spoilers of KOTOR? I, I almost feel oh, like it's yeah. too sacred. If, if, you, yes, if, you, if you are here and you have arrived here and you have not played KOTOR, you have probably found yourself in a place on the internet that you don't want to be or you shouldn't be. So you're 100% allowed to talk about KOTOR. Uh, you know, Tim and I have said on the show that that Coder might be one of the best twists in the history of games. Forget about Star mm -hmm. Wars. Just games, right. period, end of sentence. So, go for Cause it. Because you, you sit there and in every loading screen and through a whole bunch of different lines of dialogue, you're hearing little hints towards who Darth Revan was and a little bit of the story, and you see him in his original garb or her, depending on which character you choose, but in canon, Revan is male, I believe. And it's one of these things of, like, when Malak finally sits there and runs home everything that you've just been like, am I? Am I? Am I really? When you see the cutscenes, and he says, you were not always this way, Revan. And it's just like... Yep. Like, Death Star exploding in the background <laughs> as, as my mind is being blown along with it. I remember being like, say what? <laughs> what, did, what did you just say? And then they had that camera pan, like, around you, and I'm like, no! And then they're showing everything, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I've spent 40 hours playing this game." Yeah, and, it, and it's like I think my favorite thing is still the reactions um, of everybody who plays that for the first time and just figures it out. Yep, because it is, it is one of those brilliant twists that I feel like I'll never see again in gaming. Yeah, because you know, you you always been told about this character and you thought it was incredibly relevant because you're fighting his apprentice maybe you find one of revan's artifacts or something maybe that's what the star forge was of course we knew better by the end of the story but you know you sat there and you go to the freaking uh, the leviathan and you get pulled in by the tractor beam and this moment happens and it honestly changes the entirety of the pacing of the story like whatever your fourth planet is it makes it feel so much more different. And for me, my fourth planet the first time around was Korriban. So it was like, oh, okay. So am my I going God, home? Am I going to ban? Please. <laughs> Tim, it's, they, oh. they canonized. They canonized Korriban too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bo both, both are acceptable answers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, going, going back there and just finding that. I'll give you let me give you one of our theories that we throw out a lot and there was actually news this week uh, from one of the, the pieces of literature that's come out um, from Rise of Skywalker but how do, do you, you feel I'll talk about it in a second how do you feel about Exegol being the Starforge oh uh, not you Tim I'm Bife so I actually, fun fact, I was actually uh, chatting with uh, Paul, aka Mondays, aka used to be Chad. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, like just uh, earlier last week, and he brought up the exact same point to me uh, about Exegol being, you know, having the ability to produce a massive ton of ships, and also the fact that it's had this ancient dark side presence. The only way you can get to it is with a wayfinder. And it fits all of these different terms for that unknown, for the Starforge, but also for how we get to the unknown system where the Starforge is located in KOTOR originally. And it's, you know, I mean, it's in the unknown regions and everything else. And it's just, there's a lot to go on there, but I'd be really interested to see how Exegol turned into what it is now. Because, I mean, you know, if, if they are the same, or at very least, if the remains of the Starforge is on Exegol, then... Yeah, I'd love to see if it's one of those things of like, 
the remnants of it or some of the technology crashed into the uh, planet, which is all oceanic, and maybe there's something that changed the climate. And I mean, you know, it's 4,000 years, so it's not necessarily enough for it to go through a complete cataclysm, but it's one of these moments where it's like, something big would have had to happen to develop it from one location to another. So, I, I, I don't know, like, it's possible, but it's one of these moments of, like, I really hope that they expand Onyx School no matter what they do, because it it's clearly got, like, an ancient Sith presence to it. And it's just one of these things of, like, if I've heard all of this shit about Korriban, and then Exegol is just turning up, unknown regions or not, I want to know more about this place, you know? I want to know more about who built it, what the civilization there is like, you know? Like, if Kevin, it turns what out, do you it... know? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Steph came out explaining the cultists um, uh-huh. and who they were, the ones on Exegol. And mm-hmm. the, the, the story goes is that they, and I'm giving you the TLDR version. If you want, you can go to ScreenRant.com and look up the article. But the story goes is that the cultists came to Exegol a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. And they basically have been there doing the bidding of the Sith Lord, who all we know about is Palpatine. We don't know if there were before. We don't really know where they came from, but they do mm-hmm. the bidding of the Sith Lord no matter what. They're the ones that built all the clones for him. They're the ones that built Snoke. Uh, and his request, all of that stuff. Um, it also says though that they built the fleet, but I still, mm-hmm. with the amount of ships that were there, I don't think that that, you know, even with, what is it, Tim, we did the math, it was like 20 years? No, it was 10. 20? 20? Right. 30? I don't know, um, Kevin, let's just call it 50 and call it a day. From from A New Hope to, to uh, Rise of Skywalker. From, uh, from A New Hope to Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Uh, it's, about it's, about, it's about 20 years. 20 years. So for 20 years, apparently, yeah. they've been building these ships because that's apparently when he came that in contact sense, with them. That doesn't make sense, though. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like that. I think that I think it's, that's an easy out. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it makes sense in the amount of ships they could build in that time to, to no, they fight. Built, they, built, right. they built an armada. There's no, there's no exactly. way. And, not to and mention, were... every one of them has a planet-killing weapon on it. So it's not as though it's like, hey, I got my backyard tools here. If the Rebellion did it, we can do it too. Like, Yeah, nah. the amount of resources... Kevin and I were talking about this last week. The amount of resources that they would need to build a fleet of that size, they would have had to have harvested at a, 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 an incredible amount of planets to get that amount of, uh, of of weaponry and the amount of kyber crystals that they would need to, to power the weapons. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, people mm-hmm. would have noticed yeah. these planets just disappearing because they were building these fleets. Um, so I, I still, I, I, I think Exegol is most definitely, to your point, it could be the remnants of the Star Forge or it is the Star Forge. Um, just under a new name. I Yeah, just, I like... It doesn't make sense. I like your, your uh, theory, Bife, about it being like some cataclysmic event that happened in conjunction with the Star Forge on Exegol that created whatever it is that we see in Rise of Skywalker. I like that the best. Yeah, that's my new favorite one. I like that's that my one favorite. Dave, you know, Dave, if you're watching. I, I think it's better than, you know, the idea of like, oh, well, you know, they had Exegol, but did you see the Kuat Drive Yards replica that they had behind that? Yes. Man, that's still great. Like, you know, no one is hiding a giant fleet building facility that spans an entire planet like this, you know? And it's not as though they've got, yeah, I don't know. And look at the technology it, they so had many on Exegol. Like, if you look at the cloning technology they had there, it looked very archaic. It had a very, like, industrial steampunky kind of vibe. It looked yeah. like it was just kind of just ghetto rigged together. And like, this is what we have, but we could also build all of this stuff for you, these Star Destroyers and TIE Fighters if you wanted, but we'll make you these botched clones. 
It just doesn't sound right. right. It just sounds weird. Uh, yeah, just, it looks I, it looks like something you'd find on the under city level of Coruscant, yeah, but at exactly. the same time, like 13, right? 13 level tech. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, what, what's interesting too is um, someone said in chat, could there have been a second Star Forge? Technically, Disney hasn't explained the first one, so this is a perfect opportunity to take advantage and loop all your storytelling around. Um, yeah. We're firm believers here on this show that the Old Republic will remain the Old Republic for the most part. Characters will be similar. Storylines will be similar. Not exact, but similar. Uh, and mm-hmm. things like the Star Forge will still exist. So, uh, Not to mention, like, for the most part, they've got a really blank slate with the Rakatan Infinite Empire. Yeah. Very like, there's, there's story and there's lore to it. And, you know, they've got a history and everything. But it's not as though they've explained everything. The only thing yes. they've added in is... Uh, did you play... Um, uh, what was the... Jedi Fallen Order? Cool. Uh, yes, I did. So you you know the Zepho. They added in the Zepho. That's the only ancient civilization they, we know of. They did not yeah. explain the Zepho well enough. No, uh, not at all. There's so much yeah, more totally that agree. they can do with this... Math like these these aliens that are twenty feet tall that we don't really know what they can do. I'm I'm excited to learn more about them. But speaking of of uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker, Kevin, I sent you a YouTube video. Yep. Of the ending of when Ray kills the Emperor. Did you send it to Bife? Oh, I did not send it to Bife. Send it to Bife so you can watch it on the on the. Uh, uh, okay, so so I don't know if you can show this on. If, if you're going to show it on... I can't. I don't have the, the screen capacity okay. today. Sure, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but so explain chat. it, because it's really easy to explain, and Tim... Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's it's almost... it's almost, it, Like, this This gave me goosebumps when I watched it. So, so chat, go back in the time machine, watching watching Rise of Skywalker. Rey versus, versus the Emperor. Emperor says, I am the Sith. Mm-hmm. And uh, starts shooting light, lightning at her, and she, and she says, and I am all of the Jedi. And she's got her lightsaber, and she she pulls out the other one, and she she force reflects back the lightning. But what was really cool is it's they use the force ghost. They use Yoda, uh, Obi Wan, Anakin in the background, um, and and Luke. Yeah. And so it's the four four major force ghosts in the background. Be like when she says, "And I am the Jedi," it's them in the background helping her defeat the Emperor. And it's just like that little, just a little touch that they added to that was just so. It was so compelling, and, and this, just, and this really is in, and this is in the movie. No, it's a fan version. It was just an edit. Yeah, it was. It was a fan made edit. Um, but it was just. It was so well done, and it was just like this little thing that they could have added to the end of the movie. Uh, that just really, I feel like it really resonated with me because they just they always like showed Force Ghosts throughout the movies, and like this was like that was a big point where they could have gotten all of. You know the the big actors. You know the big. You know the most important Jedi's in the background to help Ray defeat the this this oh dude this shell of evil. Like this thing that just that it's not even the Emperor anymore. It's it's all of the bad in the in the universe. And so uh, I'm was, I'm watching perfect. this now muted, and I yeah I feel the goosebumps. Yeah right, goosebumps, man. Right. Just, uh, here I'll put it I'll put it in chat. I did. So I, you guys can see it. Drop it oh, in Facebook. I, I put it in Twitch. Drop it in Facebook. That's fantastic, okay. dude. Oh my god. But yeah, no, it's yeah, a, like just I, a little I, thing that was just perfect. I, I even ask because it's one of these things of like because of the lighting in that particular scene. I feel like it's one of those things that it could have been there and I would have missed it. 
Dinner. Yeah, no, like, exactly. That's when I looked at it. I was like, oh, is this actually in the movie? Because I was covered in mm-hmm. beer half of the time. I might not have remembered. <laughs> I'm never going to let him. I'm never going to let that down. That's all right. Uh, I... In case you in case you didn't know, by so the all the rare drive guys went and saw uh, we saw Rise of Skywalker together and uh, Corey got this massive beer and uh, he then spilt it all over me. So for two hours, I was covered in 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 high lie. <laughs> Damn, dude. Cold, that's, that's rough. Ice, wet and sad. Tim, I spilled <laughs> beer. There. I spilled beer on Bife the first time I met him. Yeah, no you, way. you Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it also at a Star Wars movie? No, it, it was. It was at a. Uh, was that the, oh, the, fond, the fondue place? The fondue yeah, place Corey place. likes. <laughs> I forgot what it's called. But yeah, I spilled him in, on. The melting pot? Yeah, yeah, that was, one. Yeah, it was like on. Was it me and Triple Red? You and Sam. Uh, that's there we. There we go. Yep. Yeah, you and Sam. That was the, that was uh, the night or two nights before SweatCon. That was the day I met wife and Ben and Sam and Ari and everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I really like the video. I think that would have been a way more compelling way. And even yeah. if you did like silhouettes of the animated characters in the background, uh. You know, Kanan and Luminara and all them. I think, you know, as long as they were behind the major Jedi that we know. Um, and if you're going to do that based on the way you took the lore, you'd have to throw Leia in there, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. you would. Yep. So Which put, I don't like. Why don't you whatever. like? I don't like Leia being a Jedi. I guess it doesn't bother it's me. Just not, it's just not my thing. I don't know. It's just like, it's like just Leia is a princess. Like Leia... Leia, like just I never saw Leia as like a force wielder. Like, yeah, she was force sensitive, but for me, I just never really imagined Leia as a Jedi Knight. You know, it's just like I always saw her as the politician, the the freedom fighter. Like I felt like she had a she has a, a, a very distinct role in the Star Wars universe, but I don't see her as a a Jedi. And that's why like, I, that's why I never liked her being like Ray's teacher. Mentor? like mentor yeah it's just it never it just didn't feel right to me I, I, don't, I don't know why i'm not sure why they just never it just like luke luke was like for me luke was a jedi knight you know like luke was like everything that the jedi were um as like growing up and leia was like his force sensitive sister that kind of like she knew what was going on but she just like she, she continued doing her thing you know and luke went off and did his but even in, yeah, as, that was kind of weird. As Coach just, put it, she was a Jedi in Legends too. Yeah, mm. I know. Yeah, I know she was, it's but it's just like, but okay, that was Legends, you know. And just like for me, it just I just always, even like in the books, like even like even if you go through like aftermath, like Leia's off doing political things. She's rebuilding the the yeah. Republic. Like she's mm-hmm. doing that. How does she have time to then also train as a Jedi? And and while well, she's also you know rebuilding this this uh, this this government. So I I don't know. Just, never really just never really sat well with me is she a jedi yeah she is the last jedi i think that was the point of that title so she was supposed to be she was supposed to be the last jedi unfortunately carrie fisher did pass away so they were never actually able to fulfill uh, that promise like fulfill that role and like and there are like if you go back and you watch rise of skywalker they do show luke and leia cgi together to make them look really young (laughs) and they are going through her last trial and like you know she's doing her training and etc um, I just, I, it felt forced, you know, it's like, it felt like they, they wanted that to be like, they, they made it happen. It wasn't something that just like naturally progressed, you know, through the story. No, just wasn't my thing. 
I'm not gonna fight it. It's just was I just never really enjoyed that story arc. I'm so uncomfortable with how much Tim hates that story arc. I just don't. Know. It's just not for me. <laughs> I like Leia being the politician. I think she's a great freedom fighter. I think she's like I think she's a really cool character. She just I just never saw her as a Jedi Knight. I can I can I can agree to the extent that she was a good foil for Han and Luke in the original trilogy because it's one of these things of like you know they're always mucking around about on the ground but Leia's the big picture thinker when it comes to that right so I can understand yeah. how that fits into the politics side of things but I mean you know by that same token as much as she's a foil for both of them she is also a, a bit of a bridge between Han and Luke you know if I'm remembering this correctly is is this theory or is this canon the idea that whenever han solo says i've got a bad feeling about this this is a sign of him being slightly force sensitive i think is it's that... theory okay i think yeah. it's theory yeah like yeah and it's sort of like for me she acts as the bridge between those two characters in the sense of like you know she she does go part general and part freedom fighter but she is also very much linked to the force you know, so well, the, Skywalker, the, of course, she's like, exactly, you know, yeah. she's a, you know, she has that blood in her, but it just, I mean, like there, there was, there was parts where it's like, I feel like because she was again, going to the whole, like, she's too old thing. Like she didn't even really start to like recognize that she could even like sense the force until like the very end of return of the Jedi, where it just like, she, she, she had that bond with Luke. Like Luke had the bond with Vader. You know with anakin like they could feel each other because they were so connected via family like they are their family you know like that's that's just mm -hmm. that, that that bond that no one can break but that i don't think that makes her i never really felt like they gave her the the ability to then also be a force wielder you know like i feel like there's a huge difference between someone who's force sensitive and someone who can actually be like in tune with the force yeah because the, the force moves through all living things so that means it, that Technically, Mine's Han's luck, as someone said in chat, brings the world together. Exactly. Yes. Technically, Han's luck by, could be considered a right. sense of force. It could be a part of the living force. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I'm, I'm down yeah. with that. Plus the dice and that whole thing. I don't know. That was maybe some sort of link untold to us. I also like the idea that that's partly a thing because it's... Um, do you guys rem remember Atten from KOTOR 2? Of it's course, Atten Rand. Yeah, exactly. He also does the whole thing of like, um, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. And mm -hmm. in game, they explain that as a ability called premonition, which is supposed to be like a force sensitivity thing. Which basically, it gives him a quote unquote bad feeling whenever you're about to like face a really powerful encounter. And so, you know, it's one of those moments where it could be a nod to that kind of idea, but it's also something where it's you know that's a very old game and it's very much before we had Disney canon. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's really hard to say something like that is canon anymore. It's just one of those things of like, how do they want to treat that in the writing? Um, before we, before we move on, Bife, I have to know what you're drinking on Star Wars and Scotch. Mm, not Scotch, actually. That's which okay. I know is going to be a great shame to uh, some people, but no, I've got myself a nice Moscow Mule instead um, with the copper cup and all. And I it was explained to uh, I was explained to Kevin and Tim before the show started that. I have two tiers of whiskey, which is excellent whiskeys and bourbons, or just the trash that you drink if you were in a really bad club and you were just trying <laughs> to forget that things existed. And uh, I figured that for something like this, I would have neither because it is not, you know, it, it's not something I break out the best scotch in the world for, like the birth of a child or someone getting married or just anything that requires someone saying muzzle tough. Um, but by that same token, it's it's a special it's a special night, so. 
I will I will go for a respectable Moscow mule instead. But yeah. So uh, before we have a little fun with Bife, I want to ask one question because as your profession is making lore videos based on Destiny, you've worked with Warframe and some other games. Uh, obviously, the like we said at the top of the show, the the space magic element is there, and I think for all of us that are interested in Destiny and all these games, it's born from a love of Star Wars. Um, as far as looking at Destiny objectively from a lore standpoint uh, and looking at Star Wars, do you see similarities? Do you see inspiration? Do you see things that you're like, oh my gosh, that's such a such a nod to Star Wars? I'm very curious as someone that knows the intimacy and intricacy of Destiny's lore. Is there a correlation? Is there similarities? Is there? I, I don't want to say like they're copying it, but they're definitely nods because I know for a fact people that work on Destiny are Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. So it's one of these things of, I'd say there's kind of correlation, but correlation is not necessarily something that comes from causation. You know, there's a lot of similar themes to even, you know, groups of guardians in the way that they form versus Jedi in the way that they form. So for example, in the Dark Age of Destiny, you have the Iron Lords, who are this knightly order of light bearers that came together in order to fight for justice. And similarly, if you take just the base Star Wars trilogy, um, and you listen to Obi-Wan talking about the Old Republic and the Knights uh, of the Jedi Order, who were a group of Force users that fought for justice in the Republic, you know, it's not too dissimilar, you know, there's always going to be nods to that. And then there's going to be the sort of, the bigger implications and little moments where it's, you know, they're, they're sort of doing it, but not really. So it's, it's going to be moments like, for example, um, Radagast literally having a blade and references and little nods here and there. Um, I don't know, it's it's small things that I think allow the two to become comparable and similar, but it's not anything where I'd say it's directly, I mean, it's never going to be a quote-unquote direct copy, mm. but yeah, like, the inspiration is very clearly there, but that's kind of the fascinating thing about Destiny, is if you're saying that Destiny has drawn inspiration from one thing, um, it's kind of drawn inspiration from a lot, and I think Star Wars is good for doing this too, like, both um, franchises, they take a lot of ancient cultures or they will take a lot of inspiration from people and places and just a variety of uh, sources of inspiration. And they'll merge it into what seems like a really alien world, but it's all strangely enough just come from corners of our own world that we don't know as well, you know? So, I mean, even little things like, say... Uh, starting out in the desert world of Tatooine. You know, it feels alien to us because of the two sunrises and because it's so strange compared to suburbia, almost. But, you know, like, that's very much something that we film here on Earth in the actual movie context of things. I don't know, like, it's really, it, it's a little bit of a long-winded answer, but yes, um, there is some correlation between the two, but I'd say that the inspirations for both are really wide and, yeah. As cool. a result, they're really rich universes. And you said, and not to jump too far off track, but you said, you know, you, you grew up too as a Star Trek fan. Um, is there intertwining with that as well in, in Destiny that you see? Uh, I know that um, Christine Thompson wrote some stuff for Star Trek Online before she came and wrote stuff for Destiny. She's now moved on from Bungie, but um, I'd say there's definitely at least a few influences here and there. Um Again, I think it's hard. It's much harder with Star Trek because Star Trek is all about its... I think it's going to be a bit of an odd one to sort of say, but Star Trek is very much about the vernacular. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when, you, when you're sitting there and it's like, beam me up, Scotty, 
uh, that's only part of like a much bigger sense of, hey, what's a phaser? Hey, what's what are these engines doing? Um, and in Star Trek, it's very much about like the micro kind of description of what every part of a ship is doing or what every part of a weapon is doing or what every system of something is working towards and everything is codified. Destiny is a lot more freeform, you know? Like, you have much less description of stuff and much less sort of organization. It feels a little bit more ramshackle and it's much more about bigger concepts than that. So I'd say there's definitely, like, something where they will pull them together at certain points, but I wouldn't say that they are at all similar in terms of feel, if you get what I mean. Like, Star Trek is granular. Destiny is much more about the macro. So, yeah. I love both of those answers so much. Mm-hmm. Good, good explanation. I I, uh, I always tell people when I look at, you know, lore, you know, and people are... Because I'm a huge lore guy. Like, whenever I play a game, like, I want to be immersed. I want to understand what I'm doing. I want to know who my character is. I want to know why they exist. I want to know what their choices are. You name it, mm-hmm. that's just how I, how I roll. Um, yeah. And with Destiny, it was always reading text and going through and looking at things and trying to understand it better through videos like yours and, and uh, all the great people that create lore videos in the community. Um, and it's difficult always for me to look beyond things like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings because everything's so fleshed out. Uh, even if I don't like what Disney's doing, I can go back and look at Legends and enjoy a book or a comic there. And Lord of the Rings, you know, the Cimmerillion is, is you need to bring a pack of highlighters if you're going to read the Cimmerillion because you got to just to keep right. track. Um, so Destiny to me was always like, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll get their lore along the way. But you forget, you know, I'm dealing with 60 something years of history uh, for Lord of the Rings. I think more at this point uh, and uh, uh, 40 for for Star Wars so just interesting in the comparisons and I always like to see what people think when they compare you know legendary lore based systems to newer ones so just wanted to yeah. give you two cents on that I'll, I'll say this too I do wish that Destiny and the Bungie guys would expand a lot more on this you know like even down to the really small granular things mm-hmm. like for example we know that Dead Orbit has a fleet and we know that that's probably ramshackled together from a whole bunch of things. But we also know that alongside all of that, with the forces defending the city, is an organization that's literally called the FOTC, which is Forces of the City. In Star Wars, if you're if you're looking at, say, the fighter that the Rebel Alliance uses, you get the fact that it's from it's made by Incom. You know, it's uh, it's an X-wing, and you get all of the different like granular details about an X-wing. You know, mm. you get sort of an idea of why it's produced, what it's being made for, why it's different from other fighters, why uh, there will be special things about it. In Destiny, it's a lot more sort of vague and nondescript, which I wish they would change, at least for those smaller granule details, you know? Yeah. It's like, if I'm using a fighter, and it's very clearly based on a City Hawk model, tell me the small variations that change it from standard City Hawks, but also give me all the shit about, like, all the standard stuff, you know? Like, tell me what I'm expecting as a baseline, you know? Like, what makes Luke's X-Wing different from a different, just like a standard-ass X-Wing? What makes Poe Dameron's modified one um, different from the ones that the Resistance has? You know, like, give me all those granular details. That's what I really, really want. Do you... Do you think that is a symptom of the fan base uh something that the writers can't flesh out in a game or something that will come in the future i think it's a bit of a stylistic choice but also i think it's a bit of a 
thing to do with the limitations of having a writing team that is not the size of like a Hollywood movie studio's writing team that is basically trying to cover interesting stories and the important points of the universe, right? And so, do it and do it in a game because you know yeah, it's I, something like Star Wars. It's like we could put it in the book, we could put it in the comic, we could put it in the movie, we could put you know. Destiny is a narrower franchise than that. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 like yeah, you yeah. can have a Star Wars encyclopedia where you can go over every tiny, minute little detail on each individual object or place, or like a scene in a battle or whatever. But Destiny doesn't have that, so you know, for them, it's very important to say, like, instead of just saying, like, "Hey, let's tell the stories of Luke and Darth Vader and Han Solo, and let's go through that epic narrative arc," but also let's go and do the, you know, stuff about, say, what the standard blaster or stormtrooper will use. Destiny is just about their metaphorical Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader. You know, yep. it's it's going to be this was Dredgen Yor, and this was his thorn. This is you know Shin Malfur, and this is the last word. It's going to be hit the important tonal notes, make sure the characters are developed, make sure the writing on those core points is good. The peripheral stuff is not important in the grand scheme of things. And I completely understand that. I, I pray for a day when it's not the case because I'll have just better capacity when it comes to writing, but they've got their priorities in the right place for the moment. It's just one of those like, you know, I dream one day of a universe that's that big. Yeah, be because the, the allure of, of Star Wars is... The universe, mm, uh, yes. even the even the right. garbage shit movies, <laughs> we still watch them because they're part of the story within the universe that the three of us and everyone sitting in this chat loves so much. Whether you exactly. get mad and you want to choke Mickey Mouse for all Mickey Mouse has done to you with Star Wars, you're still here <laughs> hanging out, telling me don't how touch, much you want to choke Mickey mouse. mouse. I and love the mouse. Yeah, and for every you know attack of the clones there's seven seasons of clone wars you know and for every moment where like there may be a bad story that's going on there's like half a dozen really good ones you know like it's it, it there's going to be ups and downs in the space of a universe generally you know there's always going to be peaks and troughs what was your feeling on the conclusion of uh, clone wars we tim and i went into detail on every episode of that season so I thought the last four episodes were fantastic, and I love the way that they time everything out. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that it's going through almost, not exactly hour by hour, but almost hour by hour, the moments leading up to Order 66 feels so good, yeah. you know? You, you compl you're completely in tune with why Maul is telling you that, you know, the Republic has already fallen and that the Sith have already won. You can completely understand why that sounds crazy from the perspective of the Jedi and why Ahsoka's like, no, what are you talking about? That's nuts. Or, well, wait, tell me about this Sidious guy that you keep on going on about. Like, yeah, like everything they've done with those episodes is fantastic. Um, the only thing I really could have asked for is maybe um, an expansion on how Wolf and... Oh, God, who's the other clone who's with Wolf and Rex and Rebels? Oh, um, uh... Yes, I agree. You want to know how yeah. they got there on how they got their chips out specifically. But even then that's that's like, you know, micro detail. Rex was realistically the most important one to cover, you know? Yeah, I think like, I would assume that like Rex figured it out from Ahsoka mm -hmm. how she was able to find it, essentially, and then he kind of just went with that and took out the chips from other clones that he could find. Yeah. Most likely. I think that, that that's one of those things with where in Star Wars, you kind of just have to run with it, your own imagination, and then whatever you think of, then there it is. You do not need to know this story. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we uh, we talked last week too about um, we we someone came up with a, an insane theory about how uh, alternate timelines can be created within the Disney verse. Oh my gosh! Um, I swear, if I see one more Disney reboot of, they're gonna get rid of the the new new trilogy and they're gonna reboot it. I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump out a window. That part of it's that part of it's dumb. The way they get it done though, we talked about how in Rebels uh, in the last season when Ezra goes into the Hall of Mirrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the Veil of the Force, um, and Palpatine's in there, and Ahsoka's in there, and all that stuff. Uh, Tim and I were saying like that's the cool part because that could lead to right. s- to literature and comics and and Disney Plus shows and things like that that uh, completely go off the rails and do other stuff. The people that think it's going to replace the right. trilogy is just just God, just mm-hmm. sorry and stuff. Um, do you think in the future? As we go into things like Mandalorian, it's dripping with rumors that Ezra, oh. Sabine, and Ahsoka are in the new season of Mandalorian. Uh, do you think as we go into the future and we add new animated live action and things like that, where do we go next? Do we stay in the current era? Do we foster this new High Republic? Or do we finally get what the fan base really, 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 really wants and will shut a lot of people up? And get our old Republic on a screen somewhere that isn't a video game with a controller that's 20 years old. Mm. I think it's not about one, but it's about all of them. It's admittedly going to be irritating because one of them, of course, has to come before the others. Um, But, you know, this good Mandalorian proves that no matter where you sit in the Star Wars timeline, even after the quote unquote big events of that particular era have unfolded, like the second Death Star's destroyed, the Empire's fallen apart, there are still good stories to be told in the universe no matter where you are in the timeline so it's one of these moments for me where i sit there and i think okay it's not about where it's about what you know it's very much about what they make and can they make it good quality because let me tell you even though that era of star wars for me is kind of feels a bit dead between say six and seven and admittedly you know there's a lot still going on the minute that I see the Dark Saber coming out of the guy's TIE fighter at the, in the last episode, <laughs> holy shit! Oh, it's gonna yeah. be so good! Yeah. I'm like, that's the shit that I'm excited for, man. Like, you know, when when you sit there and tell me that we could be getting a Darth Revan TV show, I'm like, okay, cool. We get to hear about the Mandalorian War, and we get to hear about all of these crazy events, and we maybe get to see the cataclysmic moments like how the war ended in Malachor 5 and you know there's questions for me about like how they take that and then they also combine it with what we've seen of Malachor 5 in in Rebels you know and they get to merge these storylines in a brilliant little way I just I'm so excited dude yeah that's what it's not about the where it's about the what that's what it is for me I think as long as it's well written it's good that's what Star Wars is really good at is taking something from later in the timeline or earlier in the timeline and looping it bound and around and connecting dots, which is why the Exegol Starforge theory is so much fun to speculate about because it could happen because they mm-hmm. love to take something that we already know and show it to us at a different time period in Star Wars and be like, this is what it used to be. This is what it is in the future. Remember this? And that's why it's so special. So yeah, seeing the events of Malachor 5, which... I doubt they would do to the T of what we know, but even something similar uh, would be just wild, you know, and bringing in characters like, uh, what's her name? Uh, your Coder 2 character, Mi- Mi- Mir- oh, Mitra, Mitra Sturek? Yeah. 
Oh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Mitra Zurich, yes. Yeah, Mitra Zurich. Okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Man, it may not make it to a, a movie screen but or a Disney Plus show, but I'd read that book. You know, and and I I gloss over so many different things just so I could get to a chapter where I hear about the mass shadow generator being flipped on and just watching chaos unfold. Yes. You know, like good God. There are so many good potential stories in that. Yeah, Star Killer Base is Ilum. That was confirmed in Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, that is confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and that's that's because they had they needed a planet that was rich in uh, kyber crystals, and what better place than where the, the entire, Jedi get their kyber crystals from? The entire place is a massive kyber crystal. So, <laughs> uh, let me let me uh, let me ask some questions here on, uh, and we're gonna talk more. I see some stuff about gallery. We're gonna bring back gallery next week with just me and Tim, so we can do it. Oh, the ending of gallery is so good. Yes, it, it is. Bife, though, uh, someone had a question specifically for you. Uh, did you watch Star Wars Gallery on Disney Plus? Uh, no, actually, that was the one that was connected to the Mandalorian. That was, was that? the one about how they made the Mandalorian. Uh, no, I've not watched it yet. No. So your homework is to go and watch it. Uh, <laughs> this other question we have again, if you have questions, you can use the question command on Twitch or you can check in the uh, the uh, information on Facebook in the pinned comment. Uh, this one's from Jekko. It says, Bife, where do you think Disney should take the next main story of Star Wars? whether it be to the future or past or something else entirely. Uh, I think that if you're looking for a good story, the entire thing has to follow. I say has to follow. It's. I think it will be best if it follows a arc that's kind of similar to what we had in the original trilogy, you know? So that sort of um, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, um, Return of the Jedi philosophy where it's, you know, great victory, sort of defeat, and then you know, fantastic ending with just all of that room. For me, that says Old Republic all over it, you know? Like, even when we have the initial fights where Revan joins um, the Republic forces in the Mandalorian War, there is room to craft that New Hope story. And there's also room then to introduce the threats that come with that. And so I, you know, I kill for that personally. Um but I think it would also be a really great time to sort of explore the earlier times of the Jedi, you know? Like, there are moments that are so untouched, which could potentially add really cool dimensions, like the, the Great Hyperspace War, for example. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that's that's a really early period of Star Wars, but it is, I think, ripe with opportunities to tell fantastic stories, particular, particularly about the more ancient Jedi and Sith. You know? That's, yeah... I, I'm I'm very much in that older period of Star Wars as far as I'm concerned. I want the Jedi Mandalorian Wars more than anything. Same. Like, very much so same. That is yes. the, like Candorous Ordo talking. When you meet him in one and he's sitting there on his ship telling If you keep going back to, to Candorous, he will keep telling you stories about the war. And it's Can one I... of the best parts of the game because you could just keep getting him to tell you stories over and over again. And, and, and he freaking tells you about the Yuzong Vong. Yep. He's like, dude, when that happened at first, I had no clue what was going on. The moment that I started reading up about everything in Legends about the Yuzong Vong, and then I read back, and that was like, dude, oh, such a sick tie-in. Yeah. Which is why, like, it's a a side thing, but canonizing Kandorus is really, really cool for the sake of, like, all of those stories that he digs into. 
And I don't, I don't, I don't think that Disney, like people assume that Disney's going to rewrite the whole past. I don't think they're going to do that because, you know, Darth Bane was made canon by Clone Wars in literally a scene that lasts thirty seconds, uh, but it's very yeah. impactful. Yes, do we know anything about his Disney lore? No. Will he be the guy that that creates the rule of two? Most likely. Mm-hmm. I don't see a reason why they would strip. You know the legendary Darth Bane of of that that feat that he completed. So, not to mention like his writing uh, already is phenomenal. If I'm okay, you're gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong because it's been a while since I dove into it. But Bane was also a legendary saber fighter, yes. isn't he? The one that basically challenged a bunch of people and said, "Go out into the storm and emerge dry." And he goes out in the storm with his saber and hits every drop of rain before it hits him and comes out completely dry and everyone else is soaked. Oh so my god. I forgot right? about that. Like, that's so cool! Like, how could you not take that story? Right? Like, ah, It's ripe with potential, dude. I, and, yeah. and people gotta remember, too, like, they're gonna be telling these stories while we're in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, and we're gonna be old man. nerds like this is amazing we finally got to see the main <laughs> story complete <laughs> thank you disney plus plus retirement home and... <laughs> kevin do you want to go to the cinema why yes tim <laughs> <laughs> we could just watch it on disney plus plus though <laughs> uh <gasps> it, it, it's it's funny thing too when we when you mentioned like where they should go and you were talking about Mandalorian, uh, one of, one of our favorite scenes from the Mandalorian was um, Din Jaren's uh, flashback of his childhood when he was rescued by by uh, what are they called? I'm not even gonna answer for you. You have to do this on your own. It's driving me. I know it's death, and I death. come on, Kevin. You're close. Come on, start with an S. I want to say squad, and that's not it. Death. Death. Mm-hmm. On, you go. I'm typing. Kevin. Death Watch. Everyone's saying in chat. Kevin. No. <laughs> you said it started with an S, you lying, lying, <laughs> conniving. You you threw me more off the path. Anyway, when he gets saved by Death Watch. Um, but we also get to see the droids. Uh, you get to see a super battle droid. Right. From the, the background, clone. that gives you all you need to know. Yep. So it's, it's, it's just little stuff like that that I think we'll always appreciate as fans, no matter... No matter what happens. Oh, someone's... I, re- wanted, I wanted to go more into that. I want to know how what he did... What, what does he do with Death Watch? Do they teach him how to be a Mandalorian? I want to know. I believe... Uh-huh. I believe they said there is more... Um, uh, backstory coming this season. I believe I read yeah, that no, somewhere. They're definitely going to have to do some deep some deep stuff in this next coming. Like, they, they, they built the characters. They've done a good job of, like, establishing the child. There's more than just Yoda. Like, all of this stuff. Time to start... Filling up the the unknown areas with with more story. All right, I have to ask Bife another question because before we before we before we have a little fun with him, Bife, what is your favorite Star Wars movie and why? Ooh, oh, okay. Without, okay, uh, are we talking original like mainstream nine or are we talking everything in between? If it was in theaters, if it was in theaters, it counts. Okay, uh, without question, Rogue One. Uh, Ooh, and yes. I think I think my reasons for saying that it was, is because Rogue One captures not necessarily, you know, a fantastic story of the Jedi and all that, but it captures what I think the core of Star Wars is, mm. which 
for me, it boils down to both bigger picture things like the struggle between good and evil and seeing, you know, a fight victorious against impossible odds, but also the much more simple things like we got to have a really cool fucking space battle, right? And we're going to see a hammerhead corvette smash one star destroyer into another star destroyer <laughs> and create possibly the coolest scene I've ever fucking seen in Star Wars. And it's, you know, it's these little things like um, how Tarkin and Krennic are having their little kind of like political infighting where Krennic is very much on the back foot and is always going to lose. And he's sort of going to fight against that anyway because that's the way the Empire is sort of set up. Um, and then, you know, even when it comes down to Vader's final scene, it's one of these moments of saying like, yeah, we have all of these fights between smugglers and the military of the Empire and the Rebel Alliance and, you know, pirates back and forth all over the place and just people trying to make their way in the world. But there is a bigger threat here. There is a higher power in the form of the Jedi and the Sith. And it is still, to this day, I think, one of the most fantastic scenes in the entirety of Star Wars is the moment in the corridor when it's completely dark and then oh. a single red saber. Oh. And you oh, know shit's going so down. Good, we were we were screaming in the theater by <laughs> Yeah. It was so, so good. good. <laughs> Oh, and the, the, I, the, the actors I, I in that scene, so the actors in that scene did such a good job of portraying the terror that they were fucking terror. Yeah. You know, like, like not only do you see this dark figure with a saber, but then imagine you're retreating towards the door and your buddy is force lifted into the ceiling and then slammed down. And you're like, what the f what is I don't think yep. I don't yeah. I don't think we've ever seen that level of intensity when it came to any type of force wielder against non force wielders right? like him just 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 cutting through these people was just something that was so intense like, that that's just... the shit i would do in kotor right yeah. that's the shit you'd see in force yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a movie and it's like holy fuck we're actually seeing this shit now yeah. right we mm -hmm. get we get teased by it when he goes to the the in attack of the clones when he goes to the sand the sand people village uh mm -hmm. and his yes. mother dies so like there's yeah. a moment where we see it we're like oh god he's gonna go ham on them yeah, uh, but mm -hmm. we don't actually see it, so it's almost like this precursor to what we see in Rogue One, uh, yeah. of his his temper, and then so yeah, I see everybody talking about Swotor cinematics and uh, Maul and Clone Wars and all these other things. Like, yes, absolutely, but this was the point it was seen in a movie, like right. in a live action piece yes. of cinema, and it's one of these like it's a it's very much in that same vein. Like, yeah, absolutely, but it's the power of seeing that on real people's faces that makes it so effective we, you know we all want to see a cinematic and i don't mean cinematic like we've seen i mean a live action cinematic version of the sacking of the jedi temple by darth maul and his legions of sith because that is the greatest cinematic in my opinion is when that ship crashes through the front gate of the the jedi temple and it slides and it's just darkness and darth maul's just standing there and then 20 red lightsabers appear in the darkness behind him <laughs> and you're like oh and then they cut it and it's just green blue yellow fighting red and purple all over the place it is by far <sighs> the coolest yeah that's what we want kathleen that's what we want she's not gonna deliver it <sighs> also it's not uh we're talking about swotor that cutscene, right? Swotor cutscene, yeah. One of the original yes. launch ones. I'm trying to remember what the Sith Lord's name is. Darth Maul. Uh, did I say Darth Maul? Darth Malgus. You did say Darth yes. Maul. Darth Malgus. <laughs> so I was like, when did Malgus, this there we go. Yeah. Yeah, Darth Malgus yeah. is what I meant. Yeah. And no, even, not even fucking like 
um, even the cutscene where it's like the Sith returning to Korriban, just overwhelming the space station, little oh, shit yeah. like that is a perfect kind of teaser for that intensity, you know? Like, I really do want to see that. There's something about it that is, yeah, you, 100%. Doesn't, I, doesn't I, the I, one I, I Sith kill the other Sith too at the end of it? Yeah, Malgus kills his master, if I'm remembering. Is that what? Yeah, 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 you're right. Because that's before he get. Because his face doesn't get messed up till he fights. Mm -hmm. uh, what's his name's dad in the other cinematic, the one on Alderaan? Ah. When he takes the grenade to the face. No, Darth mm. Malik is co is Kotor. Darth Malik yeah, was Mal with Revan. Darth Malgus yeah. was Swotor era. And he's yeah. back in the game, by the way, if anyone wants to play it. It's, uh, it's another point at which you can sit there and say, again, this is more reasons why we should have Old Republic stuff, because this is not um, necessarily the Clone Wars where it's the Jedi as a singular front and a singular force. Like, Old Republic era, you very much could have had more than just the two Sith. Like, there was a Sith Order, and if you wanted mm -hmm. to portray, like, a full-on battle between Force users on both sides, yeah, no, you, you go to the Old Republic and you talk about all of the shit that we see there. Because yep. during the, um, oh, technically they call it the Jedi Civil War, right? The yes. original conflict between the Republic and uh, Malak's Sith. Yep. Yeah, like that is literally the definition of Dark Force users versus Light Force users in a massive scale. Like, yeah, that's what we. That's what I think would be best to portray. And if you're real. There's tons of stories before that too of like all the Jedi leaving the Order and going to places in the dark reaches of the universe and finding Sith mysticism and that's how they join like Exar Kun and the Keldromo brothers oh. and stuff. Dude! <laughs> before we, before we, before we uh, do the fun part and then we got to get out of here, I want to ask uh, these two more questions that were sent in for Bife. The first one's: do you think that our entrance to the Luna Pyramid ship could be soon... Uh, soon could be seen as a throwback nod to the coder scene you were speaking uh, about at the start of the stream. Uh, do you mean entering the Leviathan and finding out that you're Darth Revan? I, if so, I mean, I would say that it's inspired by much bigger things than that, but it's very much supposed. It very much changes the pace of the entire franchise, and the same way that entering the Leviathan changed the pace of the game. You know, like I said, that when you hit your fourth planet after the Leviathan everything changes because you know it's it's all the small things like you can't go to dantooine anymore it's all the small things like you now have a bunch of companions that previously trusted you intrinsically and now they're like yeah i i, I don't know man in the case of like karth or you know you're still sitting there and maybe if you've gone to the dark side everyone's like i, I don't know about this guy as long as we're just getting this done and defeating malik i guess it doesn't matter you know like there's a different feel and a different mood to it. I think that the um, the pyramid on Luna very much elevated the pace of the story for Destiny too. Um, like I, so when I <laughs> I went to Bungie uh, to play Shadowkeep before it was released, so I could capture some footage. And before any of that was done, um, you know, I sat there and I had no idea what I was going to face, except I was excited for Hive on the Moon. When I rounded the corner and saw the pyramid. In the first story mission, which they let us play, that was, like God, that was so good. That was dude, goosebumps, dude. Fucking goosebumps. There were four bungee employees behind me just watching to see what I do, and I dropped my controller. And I'm just like, oh, pyramid show. Oh, you went there. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Like you know, there's. It's just way fucking bigger than anything <laughs> I was expecting. And yeah, Leviathan is very much akin to that. I would, I would definitely not say that the two have any. 
relation to each other or any inspiration from each other, but like it's a similar change in tone of the story. You know, like we thought we were just gonna kick the ass of some like proto no no no, none of that nonsense, right? None of this family tree of oryx shit. No, pyramids. We're getting to it. Like that was it. Good stuff. Uh, and the last question is, do you think that uh, Guardians could get the Grey Jedi treatment in Beyond Light? That's from Jennifer to you, by. I absolutely think they do, because, um, like, there's been a lot of very serious attempts to differentiate the light and dark as forces of power versus the light and dark as points of view of morality, right? So we are still very much going to be using the dark and we're still very much probably going to be serving the agenda of the city and the people of the city and the light. It's just a case of we are embracing, as some would say, a more complete view of the force, I think the quote is. I'm trying to remember what it is from uh, Balanced View. Uh, episode three. You know, what does Palpatine say to Anakin in his office? You know, it's a more complete view of the force, something like that. Anyway, yeah. Long story short, uh, the two do not necessarily... Uh, need to correlate with morality as well as with their power and as a result I think that getting the quote-unquote gray jelly treatment is exactly where we're going mm. you know you don't necessarily need to align with either you're just aligning with paracausal powers on both sides of the scale as long as you know what you're fighting for um, you know I, I think it's fine to use both cool okay, I'll, just real quick I'm, I just watched the Darth Malgus siege on the Jedi temple video You've never I've seen never that? I've never seen that before. And what? Oh, my God. Tim, here's your homework tonight. So... Here's your homework tonight. Before you go to bed, what? I want you to I'm just... I'm going to watch all of the cutscenes. Yes, go to YouTube. I, even the I new remember... ones. Remember? Yeah, I know. I found it. I remember the... I saw the um, the Old Republic, um, the one where you see the two brothers fight. Oh. Yes, um, yes. They, watch... They, they had... They have the two the yellow lightsabers and like they go at it. Yep. I was at I was at EA Play when they like announced that where they showed it off or it was like Cologne or whatever. That was the only one that I had seen. I'd never seen the no, Siege of watch the old video, ones. and that was really good. You can watch them as a movie. That Someone made them all in, in chronological order, so you can watch them as a movie. So the characters, what happens to them, takes place. The father in the video with the two brothers, Tim, is the Eternal Emperor I always yell about. Oh, mm. I didn't that is know his, that. That is his second life that he has hid from, from everyone oh, in the universe. What the he has established a whole other empire where justice is the way of the force, not light or dark. It is justice and only justice. And those are his two sons. And he has a daughter who's batshit insane. Um, <laughs> before we let you go, Bife, uh, people wanted you to read some lore. And I couldn't find any better lore for you to read than what I DM'd you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so I need you to do it and give it the YouTube treatment. And when you are done, we are going to get the f out of here. But the stage is yours, my friend. <clears throat> Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? So powerful and so wise. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, wow. It just updated my messages and immediately scrolled straight to the bottom and killed my place. I'm going to start over again. Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith so powerful and so wise he could use the Force to influence the Medichlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side that he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. 
The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. He became so powerful, the only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. Ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. That's really good. That's so good. I would have joined the dark side if I did that to me. (laughs) The Jedi are evil. Chad, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Star Wars and Scotch. The gentleman who just read that is Bife. If you have no idea who that is, you should check him out. He's on YouTube. My name is Bife. uh, And my name is Bife everywhere else as far as I know, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank Perfect. you for having me so much, guys. This Dude, is fantastic. Well, you're going to have you back because I feel like we just scratched the surface and we didn't get into it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have you back. And if, if we can make it work at GCX, like you're going to be on the, the Star Wars panel at GCX. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. No yeah, questions yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. We're, we're going to work on that. Uh, he's Tim, Darkest429 on Facebook. And everywhere else, I'm Kevin, KMagic101 on Twitch, uh, KevinXVision on Twitter, KMagic101 everywhere else. We are Rare Drop everywhere go find everywhere. us and if you want to check out this podcast it's on youtube raredrop.co slash youtube uh and it's pretty much everywhere you get your audio podcast but we recommend spotify because uh, i don't know i like spotify either way you have a good one we're gonna go send all the love over to our buddy big cheese k-i-t go show him some love if you if you show him enough love he'll like do all sorts of crazy shit with the production value that shames everyone else. (laughs) You guys have a great night, and we'll talk to you next Monday. May the force be with you. Peace. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save-